So I'm curious this morning, how, how many in the room can speak fluently in more than one language? Anybody, anybody fluent in more than one language? All right. How many, how many can fumble their way through more than one language? Anybody? Okay. A few can fumble their way through more than one language. How about um, uh, how, how many of you can remember a few words from foreign language class back in high school? All right, that's, 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 a, that's more of us, okay. How many of you uh, won't go to certain restaurants because you're afraid you won't be able to pronounce what's on the menu? Anybody? I don't want to go too fancy for me. I'm afraid I'll embarrass myself trying to read the menu, right? You, we've all heard this old joke before. What do you call someone who can speak two languages? Bilingual. What do you call someone who can speak three languages? What do you call someone who can speak one language? Yeah, yeah. It's... See, the truth, of us, the truth of the matter is most of us are only fluent in one language. And unfortunately, I think, for being honest, most of us have very little interest or desire or drive to learn other languages. And, 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 and honestly, because of that, some have even been hesitant to travel outside of our country for fear that you won't be able to, to communicate, you won't be able to, to understand what's going on if you put your feet down in another, in another country. Uh, I mean, we may have at one time in our life thought about it, got excited about it, you know, maybe um, downloaded an app like Babbel or, or ordered, you know, a Rosetta Stone kit and, and thought, I'm going to learn a new language you start out guns a-blazing, then something happens, you know, over time, usually only a couple of weeks, right? You get busy, other distractions come up, eventually you get discouraged because it's not as easy as you thought it would be, and then eventually apathy starts to set in, and now you've got an unused app on your phone or some unused box sitting on your shelf somewhere. I say that to say this, when it comes to hearing God speak, when it comes to listening to God, I, I think that imagery of language is helpful. Because in a very real sense, God speaks to us in multiple languages. Now, I'm not talking about God speaks to us in foreign languages, but, but God has different languages that he uses to communicate to his kids. And we, we introduced this last week. Remember this slide from last Sunday? How does God speak to us? And we said that God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church. And if you weren't here last week, we talked about those first two, that God speaks to us uh, through the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and you know, again, that, let me just stop and remind us, and we talked about this last week, we can't hear God speak apart from the Holy Spirit. We need His Spirit to, to be involved in whatever ways that we are listening and trying to hear from God. And, and this might not be the best illustration, but, it, but if you think of the Holy Spirit, he is the ultimate translator. And he's the one who's behind every way that we can hear God speak. And again, sticking with this, this same metaphor, I think, I think it's safe and accurate to say this, that the Bible is God's primary language. It's his first language. It's his primary language. It's, it's the, 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 the primary dialect of God is his word. 
And any of the other languages that God uses, which we're going to unpack this morning, must always root itself back to his word. God will never speak in a way that is contrary to his word. He said again, God will never speak to us in a way that is contrary to his word. And, and unfortunately, uh, what we do uh, too many times is we try to short circuit that reality. Because sometimes, if we're being honest, learning the word, understanding the scriptures can be challenging. And that's why we're often tempted to lean on more than we should other languages that God uses to communicate with us. See, experience has taught me this over the years as a pastor. Write this down if, you, if you're taking notes. Those who understand his word most are those who can hear him best. Those who understand his word most are those who can hear him best. But just like setting out to learn a new language, we can allow the same types of things to creep into our lives, even when we determine, even when we set out to say, you know what, I want to learn the languages of God. I, I, I want to, to hear from him regularly in my life. Those same types of things that cause us to forget about the app that we downloaded or that cause us to put a, a kit that we ordered on a shelf somewhere creep in even when we have the best of intentions of learning to hear God speak to us. Things creep in our, into our lives like what? Well, like busyness. Listen, busyness is something that every person has to deal with. Your schedule is full and there are more things that want more of your time. That's not going to change. Or it's not going to change on accident. It's not going to change without being intentional and being protective of your schedule and of your time. You might hear people tell you, you might have your pastor plead with you to slow down and take some time to enjoy things that matter in life like your family, like rest, and yes, like your relationship with God. But, but I know you. I watch you. I'm around a lot of you. Your days start quickly. They start early. And your day, day after day after day, is a race to move from one thing to the next without pausing, without slowing down, without taking a breath to try and hear the voice of God in your life. I'm convinced that busyness steals your ability to slow down long enough to hear God's voice. We need to declare war on busyness because it's the, it's the first and perhaps for many of you the most important step that you can take if you ever want to regularly hear God speaking in your life. But beyond busyness, distra distractions creep in. Not only do people fill their schedules, but they also fill their, fill their minds with habits or with, uh, with technology at your fingertips, right? Whether you're using technology for entertainment purposes or for, for just gathering and consuming information, the, 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 the distraction of technology is very real. And we're all tempted if we do get a spare minute wherever that spare minute might be, 
We want to fill it with what we've got in our hands. Scrolling and texting and, and just seeing if we've missed something. And why do I say that to you? Because I'm sitting in that row being preached at because I'm guilty of it as well. I'm not saying that from a voice of moral authority on the subject because that's a struggle with me. But again, let's be honest. It's, that, it's those kinds of distractions that keep us from hearing the voice of God. God's voice is competing with technology for our attention. Beyond that is our behaviors and attitudes. Choices that we make can drown out God's voice. Your attitudes and habits lead us often away from the sound of his voice. When we allow attitudes like jealousy and gratitude, bitterness, cynicism, critical nature, and just fill in the blank with whatever it is, attitude and behavior that you struggle with, those things drown out the voice of God. Psalm 66, the psalmist said, If I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear us. And that's specifically talking about our prayers to God. But I, I think the inverse is true. If I regard iniquity in my heart, we won't hear from God in the same way that our prayers won't make it to God. Beyond that is apathy. Apathy is just a lack of concern. At some point, if we set out to, to learn a new language, we just lose interest. Apathy sets in. And the same thing happens in our relationship with God. If we begin to feel apathetic toward God, you are unlikely to ever even be paying attention to God's voice as he speaks to you. But this morning, we want to talk about more than just the primary language of the Bible I want us to think about and, and spend a little bit of time looking at the three other languages. And if you're taking notes, write down whatever you feel is appropriate. But the next way that God speaks to us, the other, another language that God uses is prayer. And I'm not talking about prayer language, so don't everybody, can, don't, everybody take a deep breath. We're not talking about prayer languages, okay? What, 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 I'm, what I want us to think about and drive at this morning is that Prayer in and of itself should never be understood or practiced as a monologue. It's not a monologue. Prayer is intended to be understood and practiced as dialogue. Listening in prayer is an important but often forgotten part of prayer. Like kids on Santa's lap, when we pray... It's usually about us. It's usually about me, mine, ours. My need, our concerns, the things that we're dealing with, and we, we rush into God's presence like a, like a kid on Santa's lap and just tell him everything we need, and then we rush away. And he's a good father. He, he hears us. He, he wants us to do that. He invites us to share our needs with him, but but how often do we slow down and say, okay, Father, what do you want to say to me? I'm listening. I want to tune my, my ears. I want to attune my heart to what you might want to say to me in these moments. But why don't we slow down and listen in prayer? Again, let's go back up a couple of points it goes back to the whole idea of busyness and distractions and apathy and behaviors and attitudes. 
But I think there's another reason why we don't listen as we should to God in prayer. And I think it's this. God rarely shouts the answer. God rarely shouts the answer. As a matter of fact, I would say this, that God's language when it comes to prayer often sounds like a whisper. Don't get me wrong. God has an outside voice. And if God needs to use an outside voice to get our attention, he will. But mostly, God speaks in a whisper. If we go back to the Old Testament story, and some of you in your head, you already, you already went there to 1 Kings chapter 19, the story of Elijah, when Elijah is running, running scared, running for his life from Ahab and Jezebel. It gets to the point where he, he's kind of hiding, and he's lodged, and he's alone, and he's, he needs something, and he needs God to show up, and he needs God to speak, and he needs God to come through. And I'm going to jump into the middle of this story where, where Elijah just needs to experience and hear from God because he is in a bad place in life. But just listen to, to what uh, the scriptures tell us. 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse number 9. It says, There he, Elijah, came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He, Elijah said, said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. The people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with sword. And I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Elijah's depressed, and he's having a pity party. I'm the only one who loves you, God. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. God told Elijah this. And behold, the Lord passed by. And just imagine this. The Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake came. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper, a still, small voice. Again, God in this moment didn't show up with his outside voice, though he could have, and maybe that's what Elijah was looking for. God ministered to, spoke to Elijah in a whisper because that's what Elijah needed in that moment. You ever think about that, about the why? And, and I don't know why. He's God. God can do what he wants to do. But why did he speak to God in a, in a whisper? And, and maybe this is right, maybe this is wrong, but this is, this is how I think about it. Those of us who have kids, when our kids were young, did you ever play this game to them, game with them, where you talk to them, but you, you talk in a, in, a, in, a, in a very soft, soft voice? You, you even begin to whisper and have you ever played the game where, where you say, come here, come here. Dad wants to tell you something. Come here, I want to tell you a secret. And, and, and your, your son or your daughter begins to move closer to you and you say, no, no, come here. You got to get closer. And they finally get right up next to you. And, and what do you do with them? 
you grab them and you hug them and you tickle them and you, you play with them because all you really wanted was for them to get close enough for you to hug them and love them and touch them and be, be, just be with them. And, and I, I wonder if that's one of the reasons why God's tendency in prayer is not to speak with his outside voice, but to want to talk to us, to speak to us in a whisper. Because when, when, when you listen to somebody whisper, you have to get close. You have to lean in. You have to pay attention to what they're saying. And maybe in those moments in prayer when we're listening for God, God's saying, lean in, lean in, lean in. I want to speak to you, but more than that, I want to be close to you. See, intimacy with God in prayer is more than just hearing what he has to say or listening to God in prayer is more than just hearing what he has to say. It's about experiencing intimacy with him in that moment. And I wonder if that's why he speaks in whispers. Now, I want to just park the sermon just for a second and get real practical about hearing God speak in prayer. Because some of you are thinking, Trent, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm not arguing with you. But man, what, what is, what, how do we do this? How do I hear God speak to, to us in prayer? What do, what do we even mean? What are we listening for when we, when we seek to hear God in prayer? Well, um, we're listening for an answer, right? Because that's why you're praying. You're, you're praying because you want an answer. And so what are you listening for? You're listening for him to give an answer. And if we don't pray, we won't hear his whisper. Why? Because God doesn't answer 100% of the prayers that we don't pray. And that's from an author, Mark Batterson, in a book called Whisper. Great book, highly recommended. Think about that. God doesn't answer 100% of the prayers that we don't pray. And you've heard this. If, you, if you've learned listening to any teaching on prayer, you've heard, you know, God always answers prayer. His answers are yes, no, or not yet, or wait, right? But God always answers. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the, the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is not yet. Be patient, wait, Right? And there's more, I think there's more to it, but that, I understand that that kind of simple way to think about, about prayer is, is helpful, and I, it's been helpful to me. But here's my contention when it comes to hearing from God in prayer. It's way easier to hear a word, a single word from God when we pray than to discern a long discourse from God. Right? It's easier, it's easier to discern a yes, a no, a wait, or a not yet than it is to hear God lay out a plan for the next five years of your life. God, tell me what you want from me in my life for the next five years. I'm listening. That's going to be really hard to discern. He knows what he wants for you to do over the next five years. You're just not going to have an easy time figuring that out if that's what you're listening for. What you will have an easier time discerning is yes or no questions. God, I have this opportunity to start X, to do Y. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to do this or no? 
Should I say yes to this invitation or should I say no? Should I speak up now or should I not? Should I choose this path or should I not go down this path? This door appears open. Should I walk through it or should I not? It's a lot easier to hear yes or no than it is to get this long answer from God. And so a couple of things that I would, I would, I would encourage you to do is this. Put this up on the, the next one up on the screen. Number one is learn to pray in a way that God can respond in a word. Think about that and just wrestle with that and, 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 and let, that, let that be how you pray for God to speak to you in prayer, is learn to pray prayers that might require or might allow God to simply, yes, this is what I want. No. It's much easier to discern. And then the second thing is <coughs> get to a place where you can eliminate all of the outside noise. Right? And that's just, that's just true, right? That's, go someplace where you can actually begin to not necessarily hear an audible voice, but in the, in the silence, in the quiet, in the stillness of a car ride with no radio on, and a walk in the woods where there's nobody around and you don't have a weapon in your hand, right? But just go someplace where you can be alone. Uh, and again, when Jesus talked about um, when you pray, go into your closet, I don't know that Jesus was driving at that, at this, but I know this. One reason why he said to go into a closet to pray is because it's usually not noisy in a closet. There's not a lot of distractions inside of a closet. God speaks to, speaks to us through prayer. Again, we just talked a few minutes ago about the celebration offering. That might be a good place to practice. God, here's the number that I have in my head that I think you want me to give. Is this the number that you want for me or should I continue to pray for more? Should I continue to wrestle with more? Is there something like, get, get super practical and simple in your prayers so you can discern yes or no. God speaks to us. That's one of his languages. And may we, may we all grow in our ability to hear God speak through prayer. But God has another language that he speaks to us through, and that's through circumstances. God speaks through circumstances. And, and, and I need to say this. I think it's important. God never intended, nor does he intend today, for circumstances to be his primary language. It's not his first language. Or to be the, the first in a line of, of green lights when we're attempting to hear his, his voice. So when it comes to, to God speaking through circumstances, I, I think we always have to keep, keep that in, in perspective and always be praying for discernment when we think that perhaps God is speaking through using the circumstances in life to speak something to me. Do I believe that God uses them? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's used circumstances in my life to speak to me, to show me what he wants for me, what he wants from me. But sometimes what we consider God speaking through circumstances has another explanation. You want to know what it is? Ready? 
It's called life. It's just called life. Life happens. Every circumstance isn't God speaking to us. He can use every circumstance to move us along with him, and he does. But here's what I would say. Just like some people over um, analyze demonic influences, right? The people who see a devil behind every doorway, everything is demonic. Every time they stub their toe, every time they get a flat tire, the devil's behind everything. I think sometimes we can have an overdeveloped idea that everything that happens to us in life is God speaking to us. Sometimes life is life. Things happen. Doors open, doors close, jobs are found, jobs are lost, health changes, the deal on the house falls through, we don't get the scholarship we'd hoped for. Life happens. So, how do we then, in the middle of these circumstances, as mixed up and confused as they can be, figure out what God could be saying to us through the circumstances in life? Right? That's what I want to try to answer. But again, before we do that, we need to establish the fact that God does speak through circumstances. And where do we find that? How do we, how do we know that God speaks through circumstances? Well, we go back to his primary language. We go back to the scriptures and we see often God using circumstances to move his people, to instruct people. If you go back to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, verses six and seven, I think it's going to be up on the screen. Let's read this. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Verse 7, And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. He's talking about Paul and his his missionary uh, travels. He was trying to, to go from one place to the next, but something was happening that blocked his way. And, and God, through that, led Paul to conclude that God was the one behind it, directing them not to go in this direction, instead wanting them to go in another direction. I think about Jesus instructing his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. <clears throat> Jesus giving his disciples these instructions. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. What's he saying? Hey, I want you to go into these different towns, knock on a door, and if you're received, I'm at work, I want you to enter it. If they resist you, if they're like, ah, not interested, you know, I gave it the office, turn around, walk away, shake the dust off your feet, I didn't want you there in the first place. He's telling the disciples, consider the circumstances. Watch what's going on around you. And in that, you can begin to discern what I'm up to. So clearly, and we could have gone to other places in Scripture where God used circumstances to help people navigate their, their faith journey. But clearly, God speaks through our circumstances. This would be a whole another series uh, that we don't have time for, and I'd love to, to, to unpack more on this, but let me just give you a, <clears throat> a few thoughts. We often say things like this, well, that was a God moment, 
or this, this is a God thing. And there's nothing wrong with that when you're living and doing life and you hit these situations and you look around like, wow, this is a God moment, this is a God thing. But, but I, I, I just want us to be reminded that we should hear God speak and then the circumstances serve to confirm what God has said, not be the primary way in which God tells us things. Another way to say it is, is, is this, and this is up on the screen. We don't interpret Scripture through circumstances. We interpret circumstances through Scripture. And again, generally speaking, God uses circumstances to confirm His Word, to confirm His will. Are there exceptions to the rules? Absolutely. Why? Because God's the one who makes the rules. There are exceptions, but I'm, I'm just saying generally speaking, so how do you test? How do you test your circumstances? I'm going to go ahead and put this next slide up there so you can see it if you want to take a picture of it, um, write them down, but I want to unpack them super quickly. This is from the book that I mentioned uh, by Mark Batterson uh, called Whisper. And I want to just give you like maybe two sentences uh, on each of them. One of them is not from him. I, I created one because I think, it, I think it's, it, it's true. I'm not going to tell you which one it is, um, but, uh, but I'm giving Mark credit because this is where this came from, was from his book. Uh, the first one is the butterfly test. How do you know that God is using circumstances to speak to you? And anybody ever get butterflies in their stomach? <sighs> right? Um, again, not a primary language, but God does speak through circumstances, and sometimes that just feels like butterflies. You're wrestling through something, you're in a moment, and all of a sudden something just inside of you begins, you begin to feel something, right? There's, you're, you're, you know, somebody, somebody once said this, that the will of God sometimes makes our heart skip a beat. And some of you are nodding because you, you can go back in your life and you can say, I remember a moment that I just knew God was saying this. And it felt like butterflies. It felt like, oh, right now, I just, I, I just can't, I can't explain it. I can't, I can't articulate it. But right now, there's just something inside of me that, that, that I'm like, this is God. Or at least you go, is this God? Is, is he moving? Is he speaking? Is he stirring something in me? The butterfly test. Another test is the peace test. Just the opposite. Right? There are some times that the circumstances in life you, you begin to experience and what you begin to look for and pray about and seek is peace. The Apostle Paul wrote that the, to, to let the peace of Christ rule our hearts. And, and sometimes we come into these circumstances and we say, God, would you give me peace? Right? I, I think this is what you might be asking me to do through this situation and through these circumstances. I think this is what you might be saying, but, but God, I, I just need peace. I, I, need a, I need a sense of calm in my heart, in my spirit, that this, this is you directing me in this direction or that direction. The peace test. Does, does this circumstance pass the peace test? And then the, the crazy test. What do you mean by that? Well, have you ever felt like you heard from God in the middle of a circumstance and thought, this is crazy? This is crazy. This is crazy. That's what I mean by the crazy test. You see, by definition, a God-sized dream 
is something that when we first begin to think about it, wrestle with it, consider it, wonder if God is speaking to us, feels crazy. Why? Because the initial moment we conclude, I don't have the ability, I don't have the resources, I, I, I don't have what it takes to do this thing that, that I'm beginning to sense that God may be asking me to do. In other words, we recognize we can't do whatever it is we're sensing without God's help. That's a crazy test. If it feels crazy, if it seems crazy to you, let's just go with the fact that it really could be God because that's what God does. The crazy test. The next one is the alignment test. <clears throat> Here's what I mean by that. When the circumstances of your life, as you kind of look back over time, and the circumstances over, over time in your life begin to line up, kind of like a, a, a picture that's out of focus, that you begin to kind of turn the, the, the lens, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, wait a second. This is now starting to come into focus. Okay, when I was younger, I did this, and as I got older, I kind of experienced this, and then, then as I moved on to the next phase of my life, I realized that I have a, a passion for this, and then as I, as I moved on to, to my personality, I started to understand more of who I am, and as I kind of looked back in, in my life, and all of a sudden, you, you can begin to see alignment over time in what God may have been preparing you for a long time ago. And all of a sudden, things start to line up. And you're like, okay, uh, now I see what God is doing. And again, in a moment, the circumstance that you wrestle with might just be a puzzle piece. But that's, that, that, that circumstance, you're like, okay, there's a piece of the puzzle right here, right now, in this moment, might just lead you to go, okay, but wait a second, I, oh, there's this other piece of the puzzle, and another piece of the puzzle, and there's this other piece. Like, and all of a sudden, you can start putting these pieces together. And what might just feel like, a circumstance, uh, somebody saying something to you, or you seeing something, or you reading something, or you hearing something, whatever, and all of a sudden starts to fit together in a bigger, bigger picture. That's what I mean by the alignment test. And then the last one is the wise counsel test. Scriptures are clear. There is safety in a multitude of counselors. There is safety in a multitude of counselors. Which, again, that test, the wise counsel test, leads me to the last way that God speaks to us. And that is, he speaks through the church. He speaks through the church. The body of Christ. God often will use other people to communicate his message to us. So that we stay on track so that we continue to live inside the circle, so that when we step out of the circle, we have somebody who can nudge us back into it, so that when we have struggles as we wrestle with what is the circle, people can direct you and help you. That's what the church is for. And so this way in which God speaks through the church is really significant. And it's why we must stay connected to the body of Christ. It's why if we want to hear God speak, we need the scriptures. It's his primary language. We need to spend time in prayer. There's something about the intimacy that we, we experience in prayer. 
We can always look out for the, the circumstances and see what God is doing. But if you short circuit your commitment to a local body of believers, you will miss out over a course of time in your life on hearing God speak. God speaks through the church. And that's significant for some of us in this room because some think that they've matured beyond the need for community, beyond the need for the church, beyond the need for one another. When in reality, the most mature believers are those who know that they can't live without community with other believers, that they need other believers speaking truth into their life, challenging, encouraging, uh, poking at when needs be. The, the maturest believers in this room are not those who think that they are the most independent when it comes to their need, but those who recognize the truth that they are dependent on one another. I mean, have you ever had a moment in, in, where somebody has says something and, and, and you go up to them and, and, and you're, you're like, and, and maybe it didn't go exactly like this, but you say, like, you look at him and say, BJ, look, man, there is no way that you could have had any idea how what you just, what you just said impacts me based on where I'm at because you don't know where I'm at. But you just said something to me that, that was an amazing truth in my life that I needed to hear. And, and BJ is like, I, I have no idea. I just said what, I, what was on my heart, what I thought would encourage you or what I thought would be helpful to you. And, and you're like, whoa, have you ever had those moments? Have you ever been on the, uh, the receiving end or the, the extending end of that moment? God used you to bring comfort to somebody or God used somebody else to, to, to speak inspiration or hope or challenged you in your life, can I tell you what was going on in that moment? No matter how many moments like that you've had in your life, God was speaking. God was speaking. He was speaking through the church. And God speaking through the church is not this. I mean, it's not not this, but it's certainly not just this. It's this. It's this, it's sitting in circles, it's texting, it's encouraging, it's cards, it's all of those things that God speaks through the church when he speaks through the relationships. I mean, we talk a lot about the one and others of scripture and there's a lot of them. But just think, let's remind ourselves about the one and others of scripture. I think we got a slide. Maybe I put it in there, maybe I didn't. There you are. Think about all of the times that we're instructed to, to, to do something, to, to live in harmony with one another, to accept one another, to bear with one another, to care for one another, to forgive one another, to encourage one another, to greet one another, to be humble toward one another, to submit to one another, to love one another. Time and time and time again, we're to engage in the one another's. And to me, the, a healthy church family is a church who's trying to out one another, one another. Oh, you just one another to me? Well, I'm gonna one another you. You can't one another me, I'm gonna one another you. And we just practice that all the time. And in, in those moments when that's going on, God is using the church to speak to the church, to teach, to encourage, to love, to instruct, to, to, to provoke, to exhort. God is doing that. 
but, here's the but. I think there are two things that are necessary for God to speak through you, to speak to you through the church. Proximity and consistency. Proximity and consistency are mandatory steps to experience God through the church. And, and one of them is obvious, the why. Proximity. You gotta be around people. You gotta be around the church. And yes, this is now the moment where I say, listen, y'all, what we do when we gather, we only do 50 time, 52 times a year. It's important that we gather, not to just hear the preaching and to worship together, but those moments before service, those moments after the service, the things that, that we're doing as we just roam and connect with each other, it matters. It matters, it matters, it matters. And when you minimize the, the priority of gathering with the saints, gathering with the body of Christ, you are short-circuiting a primary, one of the primary ways that God speaks to you. You'll never hear God speak to you through the church if you're never in church. This is my mean face. All right, that's about as mean as I'll be. But I, I don't want something from you. Oh, you're just wanting to get the attendance up. Well, yeah, of course. Why? Because I think being in the body is important. It's important. So, so proximity, you gotta be around got to be close, and you got to do it consistently. And here's what consistency does. Consistency builds trust. If I'm only sitting down with you once every three months, and you say something to me, I, I might be like, oh, that's good. That's cool. That's nice. He's a good guy. She's a good, good gal, whatever. But I'm really not getting to know you. But if I'm meeting with you regularly, I'm sitting down with you regularly, I'm around you all the time, weekly, 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 after week, after week, after week, after month, after month, after year, after year, after year, and I'm watching you live out your faith, and I'm watching you follow Jesus, and I'm watching you experiencing him in your life, and all of a sudden, I'm building trust with you, and hopefully you with me, so that when we do speak to each other, there's some weight. We trust each other, because we're consistently spending time together. That's the beauty of the body. That's the beauty of connection. How often, I wonder, have we missed hearing God speak to us through the church because proximity and consistency have been lacking in our life? See, if you want to increase your capacity to hear God's voice in your life, there's a lot of things that you need to tune into. Tune in when it comes to your, your Bible. Tune in when it comes to, to your prayers. Tune in when it comes to observing the circumstances. But you also need to tune in when it comes to the church. It's more than Sundays. Let me say that. It's more than Sundays. But it's certainly not less than Sundays. It's, it's not less than Sundays. Mark Batterson in the book Whisper said this. He said, <clears throat> learning how to hear the voice of God is the solution to a thousand problems. It is also the key to discovering our destiny and fulfilling our potential. As the worship team comes, 
That second sentence this week caught my attention. Again, going back to my time away on the sabbatical, one of the things that, that I came back from my sabbatical convinced that I need to spend a lot of time on is helping people discover their potential, to discover their destiny, discover their purpose. And when, when we think about the circumstances, and I alluded to it, that alignment test is about taking some time to kind of step back and think about the big picture, all the things that God has done with you. And um, I've had the opportunity since coming back to sit down with probably half a dozen, I think, maybe, maybe more than that, maybe a little bit less, but about, about that, uh, folks who have taken the time to do an online assessment uh, call at, at this website, free, www.freeshapetest.com. And what that is, it's a, it's a, it is what I just said. It's an assessment that helps you look at uh, five areas of your life, your spiritual gifts, your heart, your ability, your personality, and your experiences. And in the context of like God using circumstances, this will help you paint a picture for yourself of how perhaps God has over a period of maybe your whole life shaping you so that you can hear from him so that you can begin chase after your potential, your purpose, your destiny, what God has created you for. So I want every one of you to know your why and, and to understand that God is behind all of it. And I want you to hear God say, this is what I want you to do. This is who I want you to become. These are the adventures that I want you to, to join me on. In the next several weeks, really the second, the second half of experiencing God, it's going to get real personal. It's going to get a little bit uncomfortable because next week we're going to talk about God leading us to a crisis of belief where we have to, again, confront our own hearts, our own lives and go, okay, what is God asking me to do? And, and then we're going to talk about having to adjust our lives to, to make some adjustments in our time and our priorities and our focus and maybe even the, 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 the career path that we're on so that we can join God in what he is asking us to do. These, the second half of, of experiencing God is where I really think God is gonna birth some really cool stuff in and through this body. So I want you to lean in in the second half. But for some, doing this, this shape test, uh, and, and us sitting down and talking it through might be a good step to prepare you for the second half of this experiencing God journey. So I encourage everybody to do that. If you'll take that freeshapetest.com, at freeshapetest.com, put my email address, just my first and last name, Trent Kirkland, at gmail.com as kind of your coach. They'll send me the results. I'll contact you, and we'll set up a time to meet and talk uh, about your, your assessment. That's my challenge to you today. That's my action step for, for some of you. For others of you, you just need to slow down and, and think about what is keeping you from hearing God's voice in your life. Is it, is it the busyness? Is it the distractions? Is it the attitudes and behaviors? Is it just apathy? And if it's any, any of those things, the, the, good news, the good news is there's solutions to, the, to all of that. Some of, it looks like a, some of it looks like repentance. Some of it looks like getting serious about your schedule. Some of it just looks like getting accountable to other believers who can help you in this journey. And so as we take some time to reflect and pray, as always, the, the, the front, our, our time of prayer is always open to everyone. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus yet and you'd like to become one, 
um, please, let's talk about what it means to become a follower of Jesus. We're going to have a baptism in just a minute, and so if you're here and you're like, it's time for me to get baptized, come up, let's talk. We'll just leave the water in, or no, nah, we'll change it for you. We'll put fresh water in for you, and we'll do it next week. or the fall. We'll baptize every week if there's somebody that's ready to, to, to go public as a follower of Jesus. And then obviously, if God's word and his truth has spoken anything to you, uh, we encourage you to grab a friend, pray with them, come and pray alone, whatever uh, you need to do in these moments. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace. And God, I pray that you would move in our hearts in these moments. Uh, We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing and respond as God's asked you.